0: It's good to be here. I think I was here on opening day. And I think I was here opening day you moved in the building. Yes. Yes. So it is a joy. Gary and I love church planting. We're actually doing a, a special thing. We just decided to come alongside a relaunch of a young church planter in Fayetteville. And it's exciting now to be the old folks. Come on. We just get to come alongside. We're actually going to take care of babies and just and support and love and I am enjoying this season. I let it go gray. The blonde is gone. (laughs) This is me for real. And I said I've earned every one of these gray hairs, I'm sure. Uh, And grateful for it. You know, I love, honestly, I love growing older. Because I love looking at young people, which I've always loved young people, and say to them, this is what faith looks like when you continue. And you'll be more in love with Jesus... If you pursue a relationship with him in your older age than you are right now, you'll know more about him, you'll know more about you, you'll find yourself settled and peaceful and joy-filled more than you've ever been in your life. So hang in there. And that's part of what we're going to talk about tonight Uh, But really, it's a joy to see. It's a joy to see what has become. These girls were just little, little, little things, (laughs) and now they're moms. Uh, It's just a joy to watch how the church has grown, how you have grown, how Victor and Susan and the team have grown. It's really been a joy. So to be here tonight in a different season, uh, because I've retired from Foursquare, And one of the things that was so important in my own heart is that when I made a transition, what has always been true is that I deeply believe in the formation of pastors and leaders who are healthy, resilient, God-loving people who will love and shepherd the flock of God that he's entrusted to their care. And so now I'm giving my life full time to being the dean of a seminary to make sure that we can form pastors and leaders who will go all over the nation and the world and do that for the flock of God. So I'm going to spend the rest of my old years doing this as long as I've got breath. And so it was really a joy that this worked out, that I'm home and we are able to be here with you this weekend. And this is a special town it is. for this guy. It is. So,
1: Well, I have a question for you guys. Uh, pastor for 38 years and now I'm doing executive coaching and it's so fun, I get to talk to people, uh, they do all the work, and I ask a few questions and they pay me money. <laughs> it's, it's it's a good life. Uh, but I, so in this kind of a coaching mentality, I have a question for you guys tonight. Where are you from? And just on the count of three, I'm going to say, one, two, three, and when you say, when I say three, I want you to say where you're from. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, right? We're from different places, right? We're from different places. I'm not. I am going to discipline my right now in Jesus' name. I'm not going to go down memory lane. But I'm from Mina. I was born in Fort Smith and I was raised in Mina. I played basketball in this gym, that is now a uh, church, right? And I'm not kidding. I ran lines in here. I had a bad attitude when I walked in, but I prayed it through during worship. Thank you, worship team. You guys did a really, really good job. And. Uh, when, when we think about where we're from, we can think about a geographic location. But let me, let me ask it with a different context, okay? Think about the home that you were raised in. Think about the family that you were raised in. Now, now let me ask you again. Don't say anything this time. Just think about it. Where are you from? What formed you? Who formed you? Uh, my dad, uh, a lot of you might know Bill Dunhu, some of you guys might know Bill Dunhu, he pastored Mina three different times, he got it right the third time, it was awesome. And uh, (laughs) Union Mission, uh, Pentecostal Church of God, and uh, being a preacher's kid here, if my dad were here and he would stand up, uh, he doesn't want to come back, he's in heaven, (laughs) right? And when you get there, it's like, you guys work it out down there, I'm staying up here. But if you would ask my dad, where are you from, he would have some Things to say that would either make you mad or cry. Because where he's from is mother of prostitution, uh, alcoholism, abuse, and some other things that just aren't appropriate to say in public. Right? That's where he's from. Where am I from? I'm from a pastor's home. With no abuse, with no alcoholism, Jesus can change where you're from. So, if I would ask, I'm gonna ask it one more time. So, we're thinking about the geogra- ge- geography of where you're from. We sometimes, like where we are, and I think probably here there might be, are there a few people moving into to this region of Arkansas? There's one or two. I think where we are, I don't know if it's 34 or 54 people a day in Bentonville, or we live in Bella Vista. It's 34 or 54 people for the last two years. That's been the average of new people moving in. And a very common question is, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? I want to go deeper than just geography. And I don't want to ignore, but I just want to say we don't need to focus on the bad places that we're from. Be grateful for the good homes that we came from. But this time, I'm going to ask it, and then I'm going to give you an answer to consider. Where are you from? I believe you are from the heart and mind of God. He is your heavenly Father. And we need to live life from that Identity.
0: So your theme this weekend of birthright, we connected to identity. Because a birthright is the concept of things being due to a person upon or by fact of their birth. Where are you from? From your birth or due to the order of your birth. Your theme verse in 1 Peter is a declarative statement about who you are. It's important to tie these two things together. So those who are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people of God, or to say it in Jesus' language, those who are born of the Spirit, you've been made new, born again, as we say it, a child of God. A birthright is closely linked to identity, which refers to our sense of who we are as individuals and as members of social groups. It also refers, and for some of us this is a big part of it, to how we think others perceive and label us. So, some of us weren't born in a family of origin that secured a birthright or a healthy sense of identity. My story includes adoption at birth, and I happen to be one of those adoptees who carried a deep sense of rejection and abandonment that over time negatively began to form my sense of value or lack thereof. And my identity became a part of that story. Yet it was that origin story that brought about the circumstances that caused me to die. To the person I'd created. For years. For my mother who adopted me's sake and for my sake. I formed my identity around her need And my perceived lack of value. And I created a person. And lived her out pretty well for 32 years. I could fake it till you make it with the best of them. I had a persona that I thought you would accept. And I would change her however I needed to make sure you would accept her. Because I couldn't handle rejection or abandonment again. And at 32, that all crashed and burned, because that doesn't work too long. And out of that, I died to that person. And at 33 years old, interesting number, interesting age, though I had accepted Jesus at the age of five, I really didn't own in my soul what I'm going to be sharing with you this weekend until that death and rebirth. And that's exactly what it was. I say I was born again again. (laughs) Until Jesus in his kindness, please hear this, said enough. My flourishing, my happiness and my peace were directly linked to those around me and how they thought and felt. I was a piece at any price. If he was happy, I was happy. If he was sad, I was sad. It was awesome. <laughs> my flourishing was linked to everything external. There's no security in that. There is no depth in that. There is no peace in that. Now, I won't tell you that death and rebirth was easy. I won't tell you it was without pain. Dying to self, even if it's a self you don't like, is hard to do. But I will tell you that every bit of it has been worth. The joy and the contentment I now live in, knowing I'm living who I was born to be and where I'm really from. But I also want to tell you, and the meat of the message tonight, when we get to the scripture, is that that identity has been tested over and over again, and acutely In the last four years, in my 60s, don't let that be bad news, young people. It is a beautiful journey with God because every time the testing comes, the deepening comes. And we're going to walk through the story of the identity of Jesus and the testing of Jesus to see where this is really grounded in. Is anybody
1: aware that we have an adversary? We have an enemy? Uh, what's his name? Satan, Lucifer, the devil, uh, jerk, right? Whatever, just go for it. Um, I will not forget the morning that uh, in this process of what God was reorganizing and reorienting in Tammy, I'm brushing my teeth in the bathroom and uh, felt like I heard the Lord say, I'm calling to death the person she has created to give life to the person I have created. Amen? So in this journey of identity and doing that, we need to be aware that we have an enemy, but we have a good father. Who are you going to listen to? Right? Let me, let me, let me go a little further than that. Who are you going to listen to? How are you going to believe him? The Bible says taste and see. Think about that for just a moment. Taste. Have you ever eaten something and then spit it out? <laughs> right? Uh, I did that on a diet one time. I would taste it and spit it out. Right? So that you, t- you get the taste, but you don't get the bad thing. Well, it turns out that's not true. Um There's a difference between saying something and knowing something. Satan comes to Eve, not Adam. Have you ever been curious about that? Genesis? Satan goes to Eve and not Adam. I have a little thought for you to consider. It's it's a biblical thought I, I personally see. But God may show you something different because God's big and he can show you something different than what I've seen. Amen. But I noticed that God said to the man, because the woman was not on the scene yet, it was just Adam. That's when God said to Adam, do anything. You can have any tree except that one tree. Right. Don't eat of the fruit of that one tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Right. Right. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else, you go for it, but don't do the one thing. You know what's in humanity is when we tell, don't, don't look at that. <laughs> well, evidently, it, before the fall in perfection, it still worked that way. <laughs> um, but who does Satan come to? He doesn't come to Adam, he comes to? You know why I believe he came to Eve? Is because God spoke directly to Adam. I think Adam probably said to Eve. God said. Are you guys awake for a minute? You're going to hear some good things this weekend from God's word. You probably hear some great teaching and preaching around here um, at the crossing. Hearing it is different than knowing it. Eve heard Adam say that. But then Satan through the serpent comes And appeals to her God-given design. That's a message in itself, because women lead. Right? What would this world be without women in it? It wouldn't. I just want. I won't even go there right now. I'm just saying. God made women. He made men. And we're, it's great when we partner together, but I just, since it's a women's conference, I just want you to know, women, she saw that the fruit was good. She, saw, she, knows, she knows potential. She sees something. She, she saw the desire. She saw the, some good things in it. That's what she's made to see. Satan, then, here's what it is. Satan turns the statement of God into a question. That's the key you need to hear. So what has God said to you? And what are you questioning? Tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, you will take what God has spoken to you, that you are his daughter, that he loves you, that he cares deeply about you, that he has gifts that he has placed in you, and you will no longer question his statement and his calling to you. You will accept it. You will swallow it. You won't just speak it. You will... Know it. And let's in Jesus' name let's turn the questions of Satan that we've been asking ourselves back into the statement of God that He has called us to in identity.
0: As we start into this passage, the picture that I saw during worship when we were saying the Spirit come any way you want to. And I really want you to consider this as we start. I saw Jesus standing at the door. Of your own heart and life. And he's knocking. He's ready to come in. By the way, he reorders furniture. That's why I'm most godlike. He moves walls. Sometimes he does complete renovations. I found out you can tear down everything on a house and leave one wall, and it's still considered a remodel. And I went, you know what? I think God did that in my life. God is standing at the door of your heart of where you are right now. This doesn't mean he's not your savior. It means he's wanting to enter and deal with some things about how you view yourself, how you believe others view you, and what you're grounded and settled in. And I want us to look at the story of Jesus. See, we can look at a lot of other people and a lot of other things, but we follow Jesus. And so we're going to look at Jesus' story, and I'm going to encourage us tonight, follow Jesus. So four years ago, there was an event that happened in my life that had way too much to tell, but it was the deepest test of this original issue of mine. And for four years, I've been walking out what I want to share with you tonight. And God has used this passage over and over and over again. So it's Luke's story of Jesus' life. Mary was told in Luke 1 that she's going to have the Son of God. I still can't wrap my mind around a teenager being told that. And she only says... How's this going to happen? He answers, and she says, be it unto me according to your word. I thought, oh, God, if we just had that kind of faith, right? We sense in Luke 2 that Jesus knows somewhat of who he is. Because when his parents lose him, don't miss that. His don't parents lose the Messiah. lost the Messiah in Jerusalem for three days. It still amazes me too. He says, don't. I had to be about my father's business. He's getting a sense, okay, of who his father is. Then the clear moment comes in Luke 3 when Jesus is baptized. It says this in Luke 3, 21. When all the people were being baptized, okay, there wasn't a special service just for Jesus. Imagine that. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased." Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old. This was an important point when he began his ministry. Now, listen to the rest of the scripture. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. I want you to notice this text because it's a very interesting thing. If you only read Matthew, you miss this because Matthew does a whole different thing with the story. But Luke, after recording Jesus' baptism, goes into a genealogy. Now, the bad thing is, with most of us, if we're not trained about how to read Scripture, we think that's the most boring part of the Bible, so we just jump over it, right? Can I tell you that some of the most exciting part of who we are as a people of God is found in genealogies? And I want you to look at why. If you read the genealogy of Abraham, he only takes Jesus' lineage back to, or to Jesus in Matthew. He only takes it back to Abraham. Luke doesn't do that. Notice the verse. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. And then he goes into Jesus' lineage. And what Luke does is he goes all the way back To Adam and then he says Adam son of God this is such an important point he's showing every family line goes back to Adam son of God including Jesus now after he's given that history they've said he's a son of Joseph Luke takes him back to son of God and then it says this. After 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. Well, why? Well, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, wait a minute. He's had 30 years of growing up as Mary and Joseph's son. Normal, except we see this little 12-year-old blip. He's starting to get something. Then, like everybody else, he gets baptized at 30 years old, and something pretty phenomenal happens at the baptism. And then it says, from that point, coming up out of the water victorious, the first thing that happens is he's led... By the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you. But when I go into the wilderness, I don't think about it as being led by the Spirit. Right? We want to blame the devil. We want to say this is the devil's fault. Well, you got to see what it means to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. means God has a thing he's going to do in you. That can only happen in the wilderness. That can only happen through extreme testing. And often only happens in the most severe suffering. Now I don't know why that is. It's I wish God would write this story a different way. But I have discovered that the sweetest essence of his presence flowing through my life only happens after walking through the darkest wilderness. And this is what happened in Jesus. And I'm going to compare the baptism and the test, and I want to go back and forth, and I want to show you this. I had never seen this before in all my years of studying Scripture till the last four years. So Jesus is in the wilderness. He's fasted 40 days. I can't fast 40 minutes without going hungry. And he's fasted 40 days. And afterward, he's hungry. And the tempter came to him. And I want you to look at what he said. We focus on make these stones bread. That's not the point of this test. The point of the test is if you are The son of God. Now, wait a minute. The people think he's Joseph's son. But at his baptism, and through this genealogy, God makes it abundantly clear. You are my son. So just like he did Eve, The statement of God over Jesus is turned into a question. If you're the son of God, do this. And Jesus answered, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the devil tries to get him to validate his identity. Prove it. If you're really the son of God, Validate your identity by meeting your own physical needs with the miraculous power your Father gave you. Prove you are who you say you are. Validate the identity. And Jesus seems to be saying, feeding my flesh is not the nourishment that brings me life. It doesn't cause the flourishing that I want in my life. The father said, I'm his son. That's what gives me life and nourishment for my soul. And you know how I know how deeply Jesus had this? is because over and over again in his ministry, the disciples go to get bread, right? And they bring it back to Jesus and he won't eat it. And they go, did somebody else bring him lunch? While we were away, what happened? Why won't he eat this? And he always says, I have bread you don't know of. In other words, this is not what feeds me. This is not what causes me to flourish. People's approval, people believing I'm God's son instead of Joseph's son is not what makes me who I am. There's a one place in Scripture when Jesus, it says that Jesus knew their minds. Jesus knew their hearts. He didn't even trust people's opinions. He would duck away from the crowd who would try to make him king because he knew the next minute they would be trying to stone him. Isn't that true of us too? If your identity comes from anybody around you, young kids in school, if there are any young teenagers in this room, moms, grandmas of young teenagers, we are raising with our daughter an 11-year-old grandson. And I am constantly saying to him, you are not who they say you are. If you allow your identity to build by the other's opinions, and by the way, that doesn't go away with teen years. If you need to validate, your identity will constantly be unstable. Look at the second one. Jesus said at his baptism, my son whom I love. This is the part I'd never seen before. The second test. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, there he's questioning it again, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, don't put the Lord God to the test. What was the test here? The devil quotes the scripture saying, prove he loves you. Because any parent that sees their child falling from a building is going to move heaven and earth to save them. So if he really loves you, jump off. Let's see if he saves you. I had never connected how every one of these tests are connected to part of the identity statement that God gave to his son. You're my son whom I love. You don't have to validate that. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to jump off a building to see if I will catch you to prove your love. Now, this is really important because my tendency, and I get a hunch probably yours too, is when we get hurt or when something happens, our response is, if God really loves us, why'd he let that happen? Right? It's our natural response. What the enemy was saying to him is if God really loves you, he won't even let you scratch your knee. That's what that verse is saying in the Old Testament that he's quoting. I don't need to test or prove his love for me. Jesus said, in essence, whether he saves me or not, I know he loves me. Because what happens here is temporary. It is not eternal. Later, we know this. Friends, think about this. Because the Father didn't save him. He would be crucified. And he would cry out, Why have you forsaken me? The humanity and the divinity of God wrapped in flesh knew the Father's love. Love is deeper than a momentary action of proof. I want to say this to you because we were singing this song and I so love the heart of Holy Spirit come and do what you want to do. Move in power, very dear spiritual father of ours. I was listening to a message I didn't even know I had on my phone the other day, and he's now in heaven, and he was speaking to a group of foursquare leaders, and he was telling them about a story when he pastored in Indiana and how he was kneeling at his chair, pounding on the chair. God, move in power! God, move in power! We need you to move in power. And he said, I finished praying, and I was exhausted. And he said so gently, the Holy Spirit said, My power is my love. There is no greater power than the love of God. And when that is settled in your heart, heaven or earth cannot move you. In fact, what I prayed for you all the way up here today, is because I know and read the word and believe it when it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So while we're singing these songs tonight, I am very well aware that all the words that we may speak to you will not convince you of God's love. The only thing that causes you to know that you know that you know that God loves you is the revelation of God by the Spirit. And I have prayed all day that God's Spirit would somehow open this up to you to understand in a deeper way than you have ever known that no matter what you've walked through on this earth, you are God's daughter whom He loves And we will not understand everything that happens here. But we cannot equate the love of God with what happens on earth. Because the forces of this earth are not heavenly yet, we're not there yet where one day we will know only perfection and no tears and no sorrow and no pain and love like we've never encountered before. I've decided we have to have a heavenly body to really encounter all that God's love really is. We can't even handle it in this mortal. And see, when you know that you know that God loves you, when stuff happens, it's just stuff. No matter how dark it is, and as you walk through the wilderness, even the valley of the shadow of death, the most painful suffering you could ever know in your humanity, you will remember that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, asking God why, It's recorded in scripture so that we would know it's okay to ask why. That he remembers our frame and he knows we're just dust. And that he knows that our humanity can't make sense of this. I just told my grandson, Eli, I can't figure this out. I've studied this book, I've put myself through school. I've done everything I know, and here's what I've come to. The God of this universe is far beyond anything I will ever understand nor make sense of, and I'm so glad he is, because if I could figure him out, that's a really small God, and I wouldn't serve one that I could understand that well. So there's a mystery that makes this whole thing beautiful. But this is what I know by the Spirit. When I'm baptized, in my death, and in my resurrection, Jesus said, you are my daughter whom I love. And he said the same thing to you. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to validate it. Now, this third one is really interesting because the last thing he says is, with you, I'm well pleased. Well, here we go again because we humans are really big about attaching pleasure to behavior. So if our children act in pleasing ways, right, if they behave right, we're well pleased, Well, here's the problem with this statement. The scripture told us that Jesus began his ministry at 30 years old. In other words, when this baptism takes place, he had not done one thing that would cause the Father to say that. There had been no miracles performed that we see. I mean, it says his ministry began at 30. After the baptism, after the wilderness. Why could God say, I am pleased with you? Because God takes delight in you being his child just because of who you are. Because you're his. It is not based on our performance. So the devil took him to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he, this is so funny. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is what Satan was in essence saying to him. Show your father how you are like him. Wise as a ruler, competent to be king. Well, now, isn't that kind of what he said to Eve? If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll be wise and knowing. You'll know how to what? Rule your own soul. The temptation from the first person to tonight, all of us in this room. It's for you to rule your own soul. I discovered that I am a lousy ruler. <laughs> and God knew that too. He's not pleased with me because I behave well. See, this is so tied to me because when I was growing up, that, I mean... I, I, There was a reason I never got a B until I met him.
1: I had to mentor her into getting a lower grade.
0: (laughs) Everything in my life had to be perfection so that I wouldn't be rejected again. I spent my whole life making sure I behaved well so that I would not be rejected again or left. And here's the reality Your behavior is not what makes you pleasing to God. I see this in church all the time. Friends, we're some of the most exhausted people on the planet. And we say it's in the name of the kingdom of God. And yet, I just don't find that in the life of Jesus. And what's really interesting to me is I wonder if we're not really trying to earn his love and earn his approval Even though we would never say that. And here's what I came out of this saying. I don't follow him and serve him to be loved. I am loved. And so I follow him and serve him. And that motivation changes everything. Do you know what it does? I can say no to things. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, I can say no to things. To people And people for the sake of being healthy. You see, the sec- seductive nature of this may appear to be right. Serving, serving, serving. Giving, 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 going, going, going. And yet in the sense of that, we never measure up. We never reach ours or other people's standards. Jesus knew the trap. God alone leads and rules our lives. God alone is all wise, all knowing. We are all his children, his servants. And God is well pleased with you, his daughter. Just he was with him, his son. I want you to think about this a minute because I've I've hit on two things that we are called to be. We're called to be his child And we're called to be a servant, which means whatever he says to us, we do. Okay? It's real simple. But there's one more time in Scripture that it says we're called to something. And I have found that most of us have um, not highlighted this Scripture. We took a a Sharpie to it, and we we marked it right out because we just don't want to read this one at all. I've got a few pages. Anybody else where you just want to kind of tear that one out like it didn't really fit in there? And this one is when Peter's talking about suffering, and it's a really interesting passage because it says, for this you were called. What? Suffering? That's what it says. For to this you were called, and you have an example. Everything I've been talking about. Jesus. That word example is so interesting. Any school teachers in the room? Okay, so the word hupogramos in Greek is that word example. And you know what hupogramos is? It's our kindergarten writing style. So where you see a solid line and a dotted line in the middle and a solid line at the bottom, and then there's dotted lines and there's arrows that teach them to trace the letters, and that's how we learn to write all right? our ABCs and our numbers. That literally is called hupogramos. It's where it came from. It's from the Scripture. That's what it means by Example. And I was learning this, and I realized, oh, in other words, we trace his steps until his life becomes our own. Even in suffering, we trace his steps until his life becomes our own. And I was staring at a page of that kind of writing page, And I saw all these dotted lines. And there's a solid line and a dotted line. And that's how you learn to trace. And it dawned on me, oh, now you see him, now you don't. Now you see him, now you don't. Right? That's what suffering is like. In one moment, he is there. And the next minute, it's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Jesus is saying to us, when we trace his steps, Through joy and through sorrow. Through baptism and through wilderness. We become like him. And friends, you may have heard a lot of reasons about what Christianity is about. But can I tell you going to heaven is not the goal that we're looking at today? That's the reward. The goal of being a Christian in today's world, your everyday life, is to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's the reason we follow Jesus, and we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. Notice the key points of getting through the wilderness like Jesus did. Fasting and prayer, being filled with the Spirit. Fasting and prayer, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, and you're going to do some practices tomorrow afternoon. Spiritual practices, fasting and prayer, and being filled with the Spirit. I want to go back through real quick, finish up with this. Luke. Luke 1 says he was conceived by the Spirit. Luke 3 says the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Luke 4 said he was full of the Holy Spirit when he returned from his baptism, was led to the wilderness. When he comes out of the wilderness, it says in the power of the Spirit, he returned to Galilee and to Nazareth, his hometown, and where he stands up in the temple and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. It's the proclamation of the mission of Jesus and why he came to earth. And I want you to look at this. At the end of the passage, when he had finished this great pronouncement, full of the Spirit, the people are amazed at his gracious words and say, Isn't this Joseph's son? Oh, man, you guys, just study Luke. Luke so gets identity. The whole book of Luke, the story of Jesus, is showing us his identity. But I want you to capture something here. From there, they go to Capernaum. Jesus encounters a demoniac. And the demon says to Jesus, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. The people say he's Joseph's son. But even the demons know. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. How do I know that this keeps on through Jesus' life? Well, there's a story. You know, some people may teach this in different ways. But I just have a feeling it was a human moment. Where Jesus is sitting with his friends and he just says, who do people say I am? I don't think it was this big spiritual proclamation that some folks think. I think it was a human moment when all of his life he's heard, isn't this Joseph's son? No, this is the Holy One of God. Isn't this Joseph's son? No, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't this Joseph's son? Can you imagine the identity crisis? And I think he's sitting with his friends going, who are people saying I am now? And the guys fall right into it. Oh, they're saying you're Elijah or one of the prophets. But Peter heard Jesus' father. And he said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. It's like Jesus goes, ah. Thank you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That wasn't the crowd. That wasn't the crowd saying it was Joseph's son. My father, again, reminds me I'm his. Son of God, daughter of God is your identity. There's no need to validate. You are loved. You are the beloved. There is no need to prove. And you are well-pleasing. You are the delighted of God. There is no need to demonstrate. We
1: were praying uh, so many people were praying at the beginning of the service. I'd love the worship team to come uh, if you would please. Uh, Because we want to respond. We want to encourage you to respond and it was really fun to see so many people in here just praying all over the room and uh, praying about this weekend, right? Praying for you and uh I was over here and I just felt this little, uh, sense. I knew what we were talking about, I knew what we felt like the Lord was directing Tammy and she was talking to me about pitching in a little bit and helping and so I was just praying and and I really felt like um, some of you don't need to remain in the identity that you came in here with. Some of you need to stand physically, like would you, like literally just like that, just up from your chair and hold on. Just I want, I want to do it in three progressions, if you wouldn't mind. You need to stand up in response to who He says you are. Amen. So it's just a physical movement, um, and guess what? It's going to be about. Will you accept? So don't move yet. Will you accept God saying that you are? his daughter. Some of you in a moment are going to need to stand and say yes I accept I am his daughter. I'm accepting that tonight. Then the second one is whom he loves. Some of you need to know know beyond words that could express. You need to know that God loves you you Colorado won't give you the whole story been a pastor and everything else and I felt like I walked out and saw something and I felt like God said Gary you're my son whom I love I'm well pleased it was weird strange and wonderful amen third thing obviously is going to be this is for you to accept God being pleased without you pleased with you without the performance it's not about your performance you don't have to earn this one right some of you are going to stand up on the first one, and when I call for the second one, you're going to sit down and stand back up again, <laughs> right? Some of you may need to do that. Here's what I'm asking you to do, and this is not going to be for everybody because after we do this little three-standing thing, there's, we're going to worship. There's going to be a prayer team. People are here available. There's people you came with that might pray with you. You need to really seal what God is saying to you with others. You need to say it to them and then together you guys seal it in prayer. Amen. So let's do this three stand up thing. Then we're gonna worship and pray, okay? If you're here tonight, and the idea of God speaking to you, saying you are my daughter, and you need to stand and accept that identity in him, will you stand right now? Just stand up. If that's you, I'm his daughter. Amen, amen. I am his daughter, father, Seal it in the heart. We're gonna pray more, but right now, just for these, for this first call, pray in the name of Jesus. Seal it in their heart deep. Now you can remain standing or you can sit down and stand back up, okay? Secondly, that you would believe and receive that God loves you just as you are. He loves you. If you need to stand and accept that, stand up, go for it. Amen. Amen. I'm not gonna remain where I was. God, we're not going to stay in the mindset that we've had. We've come in and we're learning something new, but we want to know it deep, God. And then thirdly, that he's pleased with you. If you need to stand for that, go ahead and stand right now. Amen? That God is pleased with you. In other words, in Jesus' name, we're leaving performance behind. We're not going to live live by performance. We're We're going to rejoice because God is pleased.
0: On this with pleasing, some of you would say, I can't do that because of the shame. He is not pleased with what I did. Give him what you did. All of it. Give it to him. And I promise you, he's going to turn and he's going to throw that stuff. He says as far as the east is from the west. It's gone from you. And there will be no shame. He has removed the shame of our youth, the reproach that comes with a thing. Sometimes our behaviors are not to prove his love, but just to say, I've done such shameful things. I can't please you. That is the lie from the pit. Jesus suffered so you would be free from that shame. Give it to him. If it's as simple as hand it to him, and he will throw it far from you. Amen. If you see someone standing while we are going to worship, Those around you who aren't standing, let's pray for one another. If there's more standing than sitting, then let's turn and pray for one another. Those of you that are on the prayer team, you know who you are. If you'll watch for people, let the Lord speak to your heart. and See what the Lord would say. Let's pray.